0: Yeah, you can sit. It's okay. I'm not like the other guys who make fun of you when you sit too soon. I don't know where they got that example to follow. <laughs> hey, before we we jump into our, our uh, message time, I do something a little special this morning. This is gonna kind of, I mean, it's gonna serve a couple of purposes. But one of them is gonna be almost like an announcement as well. So we're gonna, we're gonna do a child dedication. And just so you know what a child dedication is, this isn't salvific. Uh, this little one isn't suddenly um, brought into the family of God just because mom has decided to bring him uh, before us so we can pray for them. Um, child dedication probably could better be understood as a parent dedication, right? So parents are, are when we do child dedication, are publicly committing to raise their, their child in a Christian community, a Christian home, a church where he can come to know and love and serve Jesus Christ. What we do know is that children are a gift of God's grace. I think the psalmist says it um, perfectly in Psalm 139. when He says, God, it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb, and I'll praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones weren't hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. And so... When parents choose to have their child dedicated it's it's them recognizing not just the precious gift that their child is but the big responsibility it is to lead and love and point those young people um, towards jesus christ so just by way of a little commercial here if, if you're interested in having your child dedicated then reach out to us at the office and let us know you can email us at office at utown.org. We're um, we're planning, a, a. we're assuming there's going to be a larger child dedication in the next few months since the nursery just had a population explosion in the last couple of months, so. Um, but if that's something you're interested in, let us know and we'll get you the details um, as we do that. But today, it's, 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 we're doing this one particularly because Jody is, is going to be leaving soon and she's been a part of our church family for about a year and a half now, I guess, right? It's been a while. So we want to make sure that we, we do this for her and this was her request, so. So Jody Ann Barrett Duncan is going to be um, publicly making that commitment as she raises her son Haseem. So I'm going to ask that Jody and Hassim come up as well as her prayer partner, Jody Sell. And as they come, we have a little video just to introduce you to them. No, he's really sleeping. He's not pretending. He's out. That's like perfect. So what we want to do this morning is this. We want to encourage you where you're sitting to pray for Jody. To pray. He's snoring. He's out. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so obviously, don't, you don't have to pray for his sleep. He's sleeping fine. But, <laughs> but pray for Jody. Pray for his scene. Pray, pray that God would direct them, guide them, and that would give mom great wisdom as she tries to lead and love him and point him to Christ. While you're praying, her prayer partner, Jody Sell, is going to pray over them. Uh, up here on the stage. I'll close our time out in prayer. So where you are, would you please pray for them? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the precious gift that you give to us and our children. And so I thank you for this gift you've given to Jody. I thank you uh, for the great responsibility it's been, and how she has handled it well. I pray that you would guide and direct her as she parents. I I, I do pray, Father, that this young man would come to know Jesus at such an early age. And that he would be the one that you use to be your mouthpiece to continue to point people to you. I pray, Father, that Jody would have strength and encouragement along the journey. Because every parent needs a little bit of that. So fill her full with that. I thank you for the time she's been able to spend here with us. I thank you for the precious gift of, of enthusiasm and love for you that she brings each time she's here. God, I ask you to continue to watch over her, guide her steps in her direction, Mm. for it's in Christ's precious, matchless name I pray, amen, amen, Amen. Amen. absolutely, thank you, (laughs) 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 he'll wake up later, (laughs) all right, I'll wake him up, don't worry, some people tell me I have a gift, (laughs) Um, man, so it feels like I haven't, like, I don't know what the, Preached? Is that the past tense? I haven't pront, um <laughs> for a very long time, and so uh, I already did first service, so you should be okay. I shouldn't go too long. We'll see what happens. I had the privilege, though, of sitting and listening to the other guys as they shared messages about our last series. And I know, I know, I've, I've heard a number of times from a number of you, what a dorky title. Yeah, we know, we know. What an awkward thing to hand the cards to people. We know, but it's not about the cards about something far more important than that and it was during Patrick's message which again the guys did great um they I was served in Jesus well by them preaching and sharing the word with me but I sat back there in that corner when Patrick was preaching and and I say this with a little fear and trepidation as Patrick was preaching um God spoke to me now if you were sitting next to me you're like Frank God didn't speak to you that was your wife well sometimes that's how God speaks to me okay so back off (laughs) <laughs> uh, no, I, I left with this impression I left with this impression and, and I, I admitted this in the first service and I'll admit it here with this impression that I believe that God has laid what I'm going to share with you out of his word today on my heart for Uniontown I know for a fact that God wants me to pay attention to this so even worst case scenario you guys just have to listen to me talk to myself and take what you can from it Man, I, I, I think the thing that concerns me most, and the thing that my, my concerns the wrong way, like I feel like, I'm not being a parent, like, you're concerned me. I don't mean that. I mean, the, here, God is continuing to give us, Uniontown Bible Church, incredible opportunities. Every, every week, <laughs> every week, if you come just a minute late, you're parking out back somewhere or hitching a ride up the hill. God continues to bring people here. Praise God for that. He's not going to let us keep the opportunity forever if we're not faithful with the opportunity. And so as long as I, as long, well, and I, 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 my commitment is this, and I am a sinful, sinful, sinful man, and I know that, and so I will be the one to break this commitment, and if I do, you let the elders know that you think I'm breaking the commitment, and they will hold my feet to the fire. However, my commitment is as long as I have the opportunity to stand before you with an open Bible, I'm going to preach the gospel to you. Hmm. But what God's crushing my heart with isn't necessarily what happens in here on Sunday mornings. It's what happens when you leave here. When I leave here. Preaching the gospel is awesome. And you can sit there and be like, oh, my ears are so tickled. I enjoy the humor. I I enjoy the the different way of looking at scripture. I enjoy the storytelling, and that's all fine and good. But if you don't do anything with it, we're just wasting time. And God's going to remove the opportunity from us. And so the grace bomb wasn't so that you would give out cards. I don't, oh, but before I forget, whichever one of you grace bombed my truck at the gas station, thank you. But you could have filled it with gas, not just give me the dumb card. i get you. i get you. Don't worry. Oh, I'm sorry. But it's not about the cards. It's not about even filling up gas tanks. And my fear is that if we don't take this seriously, we're going to miss incredible opportunities so 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 we i don't know what to do frank i don't know how to do it i know so let me give you some suggestions you want to take notes here real quick i got i got five suggestions for you first pray for them pray pray for them pray for them like like god looked at you and said listen i need you see that dead body i need you to raise that dead body to life are you just going to walk up and be like uh be raised i mean if god really expected that you how are you going to pray Pray for people like that. And then literally pray with people. Not just for people, but with people. Uh, if you're standing at work one day and the guy's like, yeah, my son broke his arm playing soccer, I'd be like, hey, you mind if I pray for him real quick? I mean, he's not going to look at you and be like, no! I don't think that's going to happen. I could be wrong. Depends on where you work, I guess. Might happen he I'm just going to. wouldn't happen here in my workplace most days. Pray with them. Look for ways to serve them. That's what, that's what the Grace Bomb idea was, to to kind of give you some training wheels, to just find some ways to use your tools, talent, treasure, and time to invest in people and to serve people. Man, can you, how can you be an encouragement to them? How can you, can you go into their yard, and since we don't have snow anymore in Maryland, evidently, can you rake their leaves? And hey, it's not winter yet, so maybe you could do a barbecue with them in the midwinter, do something different. May, but, but, but engage them, Easter, do an Easter egg hunt with your neighbors. Do, do something, because those aren't sharing the gospel with them, I'm fully aware of that. But those are important steps to gaining an audience with them because the gospel moves at the speed of relationship. you got to have relationships with them. So pray for them. Look for ways to serve them. Invite them to something. Invite them to your home. Invite them to lunch. Invite them out for coffee. Uh, invite them to your connection group, your small group. And invite, use me. Invite them to spend. Now, you have to show up if you do this. You can't just be like, hey, I'd like you to meet my pastor. He's your problem now, sucker. That, uh, that's not fair. But you just be like, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to have coffee with my pastor. Why don't you come and let's, let's talk? Man, I'm all in for that. I'll even buy the coffee. Because I'm a coffee snob. Read something with them. Read something with them. Here's a novel concept. The Bible. Ooh! Why the Bible? Because the Bible speaks of Jesus. Where do I read? Anywhere you read, the Bible speaks about Jesus. I would suggest the book of John or the book of Luke or the book of Mark or the book of Matthew. I have no idea why I just did them completely out of order. But do a gospel. and Share your story with them. Oh, see, that's what I'm nervous about. I'm not sure how to share my story with them. I I mean, do I do three points, an illustration, and sing a song at the end? I mean, I, do, do, do I use the evangelism explosion uh, approach? Do I use the one to one approach? I mean, how, how do I share my story with them? Hey, listen, it's just a quick, brief idea for you. When you go to court and you're asked to testify about something you've see, seen or experienced, they're not like, could you come up with a creative way to do that? They're like, what did you see? And you tell them. That's it. It's the man born blind in John chapter 9 when the, the Pharisees come to him like, well, what happened if you were born blind? And he says, okay, all I know, I was blind. Now I see, and Jesus is the one that did it. That's your story. Tell him your story, please. Again, like this is not about being a bigger church. The Lord knows we need to free up some parking spaces, so I'll find some way to offend some of you to get you out (laughs) of here. I won't do it on purpose. For most of you, (laughs) no, this is this is not a. One of the prayers um, that I started praying last summer was Lord, um, do something huge in our community, in, in our county, and the surrounding counties. A movement of the Spirit where men and women and boys and girls come to know Jesus Christ, and we have this huge revival, even if we don't get to be a part of it. I'd love to be a part of it, but that's not the point, is it? I, this is about people who are in desperate need. This is about people who can't solve the problems that they have themselves. This is about people who have no idea that the gift of God has been offered to them. Do you know that it's no longer unusual for a man or a woman to make it into their 30s without actually hearing a true and clear presentation of the gospel? It's not unusual at all. And it's about, it's about you, Me. People who have experienced the gift, the free gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's about us speaking up. We've got to speak up. We've got to speak up. But I'm scared. Well, cool. Welcome to the club. All of us are scared. That's how it works. So, but, but, but. If you've ever shared your story or shared the gospel or explained who Jesus is to somebody, hey, by the way, this is a really long introduction to a really short message, so don't freak out, okay? So, but if you've ever shared the story of who Jesus is and the, the gospel with them, when you're done, you walk away from that and you're like, yeah, woo, I'm alive. Pray you feel that before you open your mouth. But I'm, I don't, I'm scared, God. He's called you his own. You are mighty. God has sent you. He has told you to do this. God says he's going with you. You're not by yourself. But I can't relate to them. Well, then you need a better understanding of who you are. Because in reality, when you have your identity clear as as someone who is lost and in need of a savior and could do nothing to save themselves, then your mission becomes clearer that there's a lot of other people who are lost in need of savior who can't do anything themselves. Okay, Frank, that's cool. But I'm an introvert. Okay? I'm ugly. So what? I mean, I don't mean to make light of it. I mean, it, it, for some people, it's it's really... But, but, but that reality of being an introvert does not remove you from the responsibility to do what God has told you clearly to do. And listen, you don't have to do it the same way everybody else does. You, in your introvertedness, you don't have... I know this may not surprise anybody. I am not an introvert. <laughs> so I'm going to do things way different than you are. So my airplane thing, I've said this, this is how I do it. If I travel alone and somebody gets next to me on the, in the airplane... Um, right out of the gate, before we even take off, I'm like, "Hey, hey, so what do you do for work?" Because you know that's the right question to ask. And when you do that, they answer the question, and they start talking about what they do for work, and they don't realize I'm like, "Yeah, fish on," right? And so when they're done, I'm waiting. I'm like, "Oh, that's fascinating. Thanks for sharing that." <laughs> and 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 probably. Seven out of ten times, they say, "What do you do for work?" And I say, "Well, funny you should ask. I'm a pastor. So here's the deal: take me about five minutes to tell you what that means. We can do it now or just before we get off the plane. You pick." <laughs> and it is. They're, usually, they're like, ha, "Ha, ha." No, are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious, man. <laughs> uh, let's go. But you don't have to. You know, sharing the gospel sometimes can just be showing up listening and being ready to say yeah you know i I was reading my bible this morning and what i saw is that god loves me far more than i deserve frank i i haven't been a christian for very long i'm not mature enough in my faith okay cool i hear that argument but if you remember jesus showed up at the well and spoke to the samaritan woman who immediately left went back to town and told everybody about who jesus was was she mature enough believer was she grounded in her faith at that moment or, or better, um, Jesus shows up on the shore of the, uh, 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 the Sea of Galilee uh, uh, over in the area of Gadarea. And when he gets there, there's this guy who's losing his mind because he is, he is filled with so many demons. And, and, and so Jesus speaks to him and, and heals him and casts out the demons into the pigs who go off the cliff. And then he, the man, when the townspeople come back, he is clothed in his right mind all of a sudden. And it says immediately he goes to the Decapolis, the ten cities surrounding, and he tells everybody about who Jesus is and what he did. So, so, so did he go to seminary? Now, he was just sharing his experience. Oh, oh, so you want to be the mature believer who has spent just hours upon hours with Jesus like, you know, like a guy like Peter. Because you want to be like the guy who denied Jesus three times. Hey, listen. It's only telling people, listen, I'm not perfect. But by God's grace, I am not what I was. What I am right now is a child of God. Well, Frank, I don't want to offend my friends. Well, then you have a Gross misunderstanding of what this is. It will offend your friends if this is something cultural, something moral, something preferential. But that's not what the gospel is. The gospel is a matter of life and death. They need to know that in their sin they are separated from God and unable to do anything about it themselves. And yet in that separation, even though they didn't deserve it, God looked at them and loved them. And he loved them so much that he gave his only son who would come and live the life that they couldn't live, and he would die the death they should have died, bearing the full wrath of God as he was laid out on that cross. And then he was placed in that tomb, not because it was like, we need a little time out, just to prove that he was going to defeat sin and death in the grave forever. Because three days later, he kicked the door down to the tomb, and he's alive and he lives forever. But if you don't know Jesus, getting closer to 2 Kings 7 now, you have to understand the background of what's happening as we get to the story I want to walk through with you. You need to understand how incredibly desperate the times were. And and we we were asking this week, so what's another time that we can compare to where it was really desperate, where we felt the sense of, uneasiness and desperation, and unfortunately, we all went back to, well, 2020, okay, sure. You know how crazy that is, though? The thing that I have the most comments on my social media feed from 2020, yeah, there's a lot of stuff about, okay, so schools closing, things closing, being stuck in your house, all that stuff, but the number one thing, without a question, is no toilet paper. That was, that was like the world was going to end. There's no toilet paper! What are we going to do? And, and, then, and then there were all these uh, groups that began Forming, where it's like, well, we'll let you know. If you check our website at 6 a.m., we'll let you know what stores have toilet paper today. Food line, got a fresh shipment. I see the truck. Kohl's has toilet paper all of a sudden. Why? Because it's fashionable. It's like, what is happening? And we look at that and we're like, what are we going to do without toilet paper? But in this story, the people of Samaria, which is the capital city of Israel, are in their town and they look out over their wall because every good city has a wall built around it for protection for defense and here's my shameless plug yet again if you're interested in an israel trip we're going in february 2024 a year from now and we're going to meet immediately after this in room 104 and you can see the real walls because they are mind-blowing but here the walls are are up and it's to protect the people of the children of samaria and as they look out over the wall they see the aramites sorry arameans i got it right the arameans have now surrounded the wall They're besieging the city, which basically means to choke it off, not allow anything in, not allow anything out. And I'm sure when that that siege began... The leadership of the town probably gathered everybody and said, listen, we need to do some sweet, real, honest conversations here. This could be days, weeks, but we're not sure how long. So what we need to do is make sure we conserve. Conserve your water, consume your food. We need to make sure that we ration things. We've got to make sure that we are being really careful with what we're eating and what we're not eating because we have no way of getting new supplies in here. The problem is, is that the siege went on days and weeks and months years long enough where that city became overwhelmingly desperate long enough for the prices to inflate to ridiculous levels i know inflation yeah no there was so little food they were scrounging for anything that people began to sell the head of a donkey for people to eat any of you ever eaten donkey raise your hand yeah i have it was terrible it was awful I can't imagine what the head of a donkey tastes like. Not a lot of meat on that thing. But you need to eat. But here's the problem. Inflation had set in so bad because food was so scarce that the cost of that donkey head was 34 ounces of silver, which at close on Friday would have cost you more than $700 for a donkey head. And that's not even to mention, maybe that's too too rich for your taste so you're going to buy something a little less than that so if it only cost you 2 ounces of silver to purchase yourself a cup of dove dung delicious see how desperate they are but even worse than that we're told that um, king Joram is walking the wall of the city and, and, and that's that's the israelite the samaritan, samaritan king the king of israel he's walking the wall of the city and and, and i don't know what he's doing i don't know if he's evaluating resources or if he's looking to see if the Aramaeans are still there i don't know if he's going on a prayer walk i don't know what he's doing but he is walking and as he's walking he suddenly hears two women in the distance screaming at each other and when i say screaming i don't mean like he touched me she touched me i mean like somebody's in pain. There has been this horrible event that has happened, and as he comes upon the scene, and he he begins to ask them, what is it that is going on? I'm just going to read this for you out of of chapter six. This is is what he walks into, this this woman who is hysterically screaming, and she says to answer the king, this woman here, she said to me, you you give up your son, and we'll eat him today, and then we'll eat my son tomorrow. So, So we boiled my son, and we ate him, and I said to her the next day, now give up your son so we can eat him, but she's Hidden her son. Toilet paper's not so bad, guys. This is what desperation looks like. That's what's happening inside of the city. And the king is just overwhelmed with humanity, honestly. What is happening? And so, so now he was working with good king Elisha, uh, good prophet Elisha, and I don't have a ton of time to go into any of this. There is so much richness in this chapter, if you've never read Second read Kings 7. But, but I, for our purposes this morning, I want to get this. Elisha announces this uh, in verse 1 of chapter 7. I want you to hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says about this time tomorrow at Samaria's gates. Six quarts of fine flour will sell for half an ounce of silver. Twelve quarts of barley will sell for half an ounce of, of silver. The, 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 the famine is going to be broken. The siege is going to be broken. The inflation is going to suddenly crash, crash down. Then the captain, verse 2, the king's right-hand man, responded to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord were to make windows into heaven, could this really happen? That shows you how desperate this is. God himself carving a window into heaven and dropping supplies on us would not drop the cost of materials that quickly. So, so how in the world does this word of the Lord become reality? How, how will the Aramaeans be defeated? How will the pain subside? How will the economy suddenly normalize? How will the food increase in such a, in such a quick way? Well, we, we see in verse 3. Look at chapter 7, verse 3. Now four men with a skin disease were at the entrance to the city gate. They said to each other, why just sit here till we die? If we say, let's go to the city, we'll die there because the famine is in the city. But if we sit here, we'll also die. So come on, let's surrender to the Aramaeans' camp. If they let us live, we will live. If they kill us, we will die. Here's their logic. It's actually pretty good logic. You've got these four lepers who have been thrust out of the city of Samaria. Because as soon as you become leprous and the priest declares you unclean, you're no longer allowed to be within the city gates. So they've been thrust out into the wilderness. And now the Arameans have come to oppress the city of Samaria. So it's almost like they're leaving this city. And they're like, well, we can't go there. And they head back this way. now they're, they're like right outside the city gates. So in front of them is the, the enemy army who is besieging the city. Behind them is a group of people and a huge wall. So they can't go anywhere. And they say to one another, listen, if we sit here, we're just gonna die. And if we try to get back in the city, what are they gonna do for us? They don't have any food. They're gonna die, so we're gonna die in the city too. So that remains at least one other option because we, we don't know what they'll do. Let's go to the camp of the Aramaeans. and if they kill us, they kill us. We're gonna die anyway. But maybe. Maybe they'll just take us prisoner. Maybe they'll just Feed us that way. It's a good plan. So they approached the camp, verse 5. The diseased men got up at twilight to go to the Aramean's camp. When they came to the camp's edge, they discovered that no one was there. For The Lord had caused the Aramean camp to hear the sound of chariots, horses, and a large army. The Arameans had said to each other, Oh no, the king of Israel must have hired the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to attack us. So they got up and they fled at twilight, abandoning their tents, their horses, and their donkeys. The camp was intact and they fled for their lives. Now listen, how big a sound was it that caused trained soldiers who are in a victorious, entrenched position, how big a sound is it to cause them to panic and run for their lives, leaving everything behind? Look look, look at look at verse eight. When these diseased men came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent to eat and drink. They picked up the silver, the gold, the clothing, and they went off and hid them. They came back and they entered another tent, picked things up, and hid them. They did exactly what they should have done. They're walking like you can see them tiptoeing, like nobody home, and they left everything. This is like the greatest day ever. They go into the tent, they take the silver, the gold, all the clothing, and they run and they dig a big hole and they hide it because they don't trust anybody. Probably a good idea. And then they're like, oh, food! And you can see them just gorging themselves, tent after tent after tent. Here, in the life of these four men, understand this God acted on their behalf. What did they do? Nothing. They just showed up. What did God do? Well, God overcame the enemy by his power. God removed any possibility of them being judged by removing the enemy together, altogether. And God provided exactly what they needed. You know what else he provided them? Exactly what the people in the city of Samaria needed. Look at verse 9. Then they said to one another, as they're filling their faces full of food, as they're hiding the silver, gold, and clothing. They said to one another, We're not doing what is right. See, today is a day of good news. If we silent, if we're silent and we wait till morning light, our punishment will catch up with us. So let's go tell the king's household. In that moment, these four gentlemen understood that God had provided them all of the resources that were needed to help the the starving nation. He had given them the answer of of what they actually needed. I mean, they stood there looking over the piles of food, and the question that they had to ask themselves is, do these people know there is food right here that they can eat? No, they don't. How will they know? Only if we go tell them. So, the miracle wasn't that they showed up at the camp and, and four of them were able to eat. The miracle was that everybody was able to eat. The statement that Patrick made in his message profoundly has impacted me and has run through my head a number of times. As you stand in the stores that you shop in, or in your workplace, or in your school hallway, or Uh, in your neighborhood, or, or wherever you find yourself, and you are surrounded by a group of people, as you look at those people, ask yourself this question, do these people know that God loves them? Do they? Because if they don't, and you don't tell them, who will? Leper, God's taken care of you through the finished work of Jesus Christ. He's he's removed the enemy. He's removed the opportunity for you to be judged. He's given you exactly what you need so that you would tell other people. I think perhaps the greatest obstacle to us sharing the gospel is the fact that we have actually forgotten what it is that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. We've minimized it. We've forgotten that that we are starving to death. Apart from Jesus Christ, we were absolutely famished, starving to death. We had no other hope. We had no other opportunities to run to. We had no options for food. And then we stumbled upon some bread. I promise you that God didn't give you that bread so that you could be selfish with it. Somebody, somebody has said that the... Sharing the gospel is just one beggar showing another beggar where to find the bread. Hey, you know where the bread is it's in Christ. You know how far he went to save you from your sins. You know you didn't deserve salvation. You know you didn't deserve grace. You know you didn't deserve mercy. But because God is a God of grace, a God of mercy, a God of salvation, a God of love, He loved you and sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to take your place. You know, um, the lepers say, we, we, We're not doing right here. This is a day of good news. We need to go back to the city and let them know. You know that good news is meant to be shared. morning we're going to take the opportunity to observe the Lord's Supper together, we're going to take communion with one another it's just a picture that Jesus left for us to remind us of what it cost please don't forget what it cost we'll talk about the elements in just a few moments we'll, we'll close our time together singing together and then uh, take communion together please take this seriously As God provides you opportunities to be his mouthpiece, to be his beggar, speak up. Because if you don't, he's going to take that opportunity and give it to somebody else. Be his hands, be his feet, and be his mouthpiece. Father, thank you for your gracious gift of salvation. Um, Lord, I, I know I'm I am guilty of just doing things out of rote memory, just doing things um, just because I do and not engaging my brain. Father, I know that I'm guilty of forgetting how much it cost for you to rescue me from my sin, from myself, to, to make me your child. God, remind us, remind us, Holy Spirit, I pray you would impress upon our hearts the depth of, the depth of our sin that we were pulled from, and then the height of grace that we have been raised to. Lord, I I pray that you would remind us of what it is that Jesus has done for us. And that we would step out in faith, being your mouthpiece. Thank you for Christ. In his precious name I pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us, please?